0: Okay, well, we hope you find encouragement and strength, amen? How many glad to be in God's house this morning? Yeah, those of you that are online and in the house, you are the really spiritual people that came to church on an 80-degree day. Come on, somebody. Listen, I, I was at Home Depot because my wife thinks when the sun comes out that I become her slave. How I many you know what I'm talking about? And so I was at Home Depot doing what slaves do on Saturday, men slaves. Any men slaves here at Home Depot? Yeah, I stayed for an extra hour. I got a beverage and I just sat down because I knew if I got back too early, she'd find something else for me to do. I sure did. I stayed a little longer, but but I stayed long enough to get mad at somebody. I was going to sock somebody complaining about how hot it was. How I mean, you know, when you live in Oregon and Washington and the sun comes out, shut up talking about how hot it is. Hello. We just want sunshine, Yeah. So I'm grateful that you're here. You could have been anywhere. You could be doing yard work uh, online as well. We thank God that you're here. If you're here for the first time, and um, we, we think this is a great place to worship God, there's a QR code on the seat back in front of you if you're not on the front row. Hello, somebody. If you're on the front row, we love you. We go, we'll put some QR codes around the altar or something. But if you got one, go ahead and, you know, hit that, say I'm new here. Put the QR code, let your camera hit it. And it'll take you right to some drop-down boxes. If you're new here, you give your life to the Lord. If you want to find some new information about us, it's all right there at, your, at the fingertips. How many of you know that the digital world has created a whole different kind of experience? We don't even pass the plate anymore for church. For those of you that have seen the signs in the back or give online, the whole world has changed, but Jesus hasn't. Can you say Amen? Yeah, come on, somebody. So, listen. A special announcement: next weekend. Say next weekend. Next weekend, we got a good friend of mine. Her name is Angie Ritchie. She is the president of Life Pacific College. She will be with us and we're spending the weekend focusing on mental health. How many know mental health matters? It is important. Those of you that struggle with that or have loved ones that struggle, you already know what I'm talking about. We wanted to actually have some time now that we're coming out of COVID. Some of us are finding out we had some emotional stuff that we didn't know about that under quarantine and different things. That stuff came to the surface. We don't have language for it. We don't have practical tips of what to do. So she's going to spend some time on Saturday from 10 to noon. Now, here's what I need you to realize. If you're going to come to the workshop, there's going to be two sessions from 10, to two, from 10 to noon. We've got child care. We've got some refreshments for you. We've got great teaching. We need you to pre-register at easthill.org backslash events. And that is important because we need to know how to prepare for children, how many children, how many snacks. Some of you like to eat a lot of snacks. Hello, somebody. Uh, COVID-19 turned into COVID-75 for some of us. Hello. I'm working mine off. You work yours off. No judgment. Hello. But we need you to register so that we can make adequate preparations as well. Amen. And she will be ministering also Sunday morning for us along the same lines. She's got a message about the 10, uh, actually the 10 steps that Jesus took to maintain healthy balance in his life. And I think it's just going to be an excellent time for us. Amen. So so let me confess out of the gate what you already know about this series is that it is hard to hear. It is hard to hear. If I come to the pulpit and minister a message to you about how you can be blessed and how you can get a new house and new car and all this stuff, I mean, everybody, amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, you know, but when I say, Nail all your pursuits, your dreams, your will, your desire, your plans, your desire for glory. Nail that to the cross and live for Jesus. You're like, <laughs> that's not a popular message. I, I understand. And, and let me just say something to you. I recognize that as part of being a pastor is, is bringing comfort, uh, consolation, encouragement, Instruction and, and here's the other thing that has to happen from time to time, is we have to write correct or correct back to the Bible. Because a lot of what we're seeing in the culture that is calling itself Christianity cannot be found in the Scriptures. Cannot be found in the way that Jesus lived his life. Cannot be found in the way that Jesus found or, or treated people who opposed him and his message. It can't be found. And so what we've got to do is we've got to not read the culture, but we've got to read the Bible, let it read us, let it transform us, let it wash attitudes, mentalities, American perspectives, Western ideologies, Western worldviews, all of that stuff, and let it wash out of us so that the real life of Christ might be experienced by us and that Jesus, watch this, might live through us on mission in the world that we live in. Can you say amen? Amen. So so I recognize it's tight. Tell your neighbor right now through your mask, buckle up a little bit. Tell them right now. Tell them buckle up. Last week we talked about the crucified life, part two. We're going to do it again this morning. And I mentioned the book that, that really is a book that I go back to every so often, called The Cost of Discipleship, wrote, written by uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And, um, and, and I talk to you that, that literally, the first chapter in the book deals with this idea of cheap grace, or the cheapening of grace. It is the grace of Jesus, watch this, it is the grace that we receive. Now, now you and I receive grace because Jesus died here, suffered here, was nailed here, so we receive grace, yes? Salvation is free. Come on, somebody. Grace is free. You can't earn it or else it ceases to be grace. However, there is a cost associated with being a follower of Jesus. The first thing that we talked about last week from Luke chapter 9 is this idea that if you're going to be Jesus' disciple, that you must deny your three things. You must deny yourself. You must pick up your cross daily daily. And lastly, you must follow Jesus. How many of you recognize that it's easier talking about being a Christian than it actually is actually being one? It's easy. I mean, literally just rolls off the lips until you get to work and somebody, you know, is is acting like a human being at work. Come on, (laughs) y'all. And you get to now practice patience, long-suffering, kindness, and gentleness in the first five minutes of being at work, and you haven't even had coffee yet. It's easy to talk about it. It's, it's much more difficult to actually live it, which is why it's impossible to live without yielding and surrendering ourselves to the Holy Spirit who empowers you To live, you can't forgive your enemies the way that Jesus forgave his enemies. Oh, by the way, being nailed on a cross, Father, forgive them in the midst of the trial. It's one thing to forgive your perpetrators 15, 20 years after you were a child and you were abused. It's another thing in the middle of a trial to say, Father, forgive them. You know you need the Holy Spirit to forgive people. You know you need the Holy Spirit to walk through the world that we live in in love. When there's a the scarcity of love, come on somebody, when there's a the scarcity of gentleness and civility, it is difficult to not get caught in the current of that thing and begin to the rhetoric of the day and to get swept away with it. This is why some of the books I read come from years ago, years ago. And it's funny, the older I get, the more I start sounding like my grandpa. Hello, y'all. Any, any of y'all parents, any parents, young parents already out there, you said, so you was, you was speaking to your child recently, you said, oh, my God, my mother lives inside of me. My dad lives inside my mouth. I can't believe that's happening to me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is, is baffling to me because he, he, he was in his 30s when the Nazis came to power, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was. And he began to do what we want people to do in our culture, in our day, is we want people to speak out and speak against, speak to power, and, and 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 when things aren't right and people are being oppressed and 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 he foresaw this corrupt regime, the Nazis, and began to speak out and, and be a part of the opposition and all of that. And then as it as the war cloud started you know, sort of filtering in over, over Europe, he went to the relative safety of England, escaped Germany, went to the relative safety. If you know anything about World War II, you know you weren't safe in England either. But, but he went there for a season, and, and he said these words while he was there. He says, if I am to have a part of the reconstruction and the rebuilding of my nation, then I must also partake of its parent trials and tribulations if I am to be a part of the reconstruction. He leaves the safety, relative safety, of of being outside of Germany, comes back into Germany, begins his work again, being a political opponent and and an adversary against what was going on in the day, and being what we would call an activist, speaking out, protesting, doing everything he could. And you know what happened to him. The Gestapo Gestapo heard about him, the, the German Secret Service, and took him in tortured him, put him in prison, moved from one prison to the next, lost everything, his family, his girlfriend, and ended up in a concentration camp. And you would have thought after all that, he'd just say, you know what, it's following Jesus. It just doesn't work. You know what he was found to do? To provide comfort, consolation, and service to all that were in concentration camps. That became his testimony, that in the midst of it, he was the one that was giving. Instead of saying, I, it's been so bad, I lost my mother, I lost my father. Instead of all of that, and, 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 and having a pity party for himself, which he certainly should or could have, he turned it into service to everybody that he came into contact with. You know the only way you can do that is that you've been nailed. The only way you can do that is that you have literally rendered your life as useless to you And you're saying, God, even in a concentration camp, I'm going to serve you. Even divorced, I'm going to serve you. Even as a single mom, single dad, I'm going to serve you. Without a job, I'm going to serve you. Whatever the trials and the circumstances are, I've rendered myself dead. I'm crucified. It is no longer I that lives. It is Christ that lives within me. And whatever lot I have in life, I'm going to serve you and give you glory. Come on. you 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 better praise the Lord. Come on. So I'm, I'm inspired by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm inspired that, that he's like what, what Paul would write is, or what they would write in the old, in, in the John the Revelator would write when he says, they love not their lives even unto death. I think we love our lives way too much. I think, okay. I know, I told you to buckle up, but, but, but here's what I'm gonna tell you. I love my life way too much. I see Jesus coming into my life with keys of authority, come on somebody. With keys of authority, and I'm not liking that he wants to invade my life. I don't like the fact that Jesus wants to be Lord and Savior. Y'all not talking to me? Okay, let me ask you this question. Who does Jesus think he is to demand so great a sacrifice from me. Just depends on who you say he is. Matthew 16 gives a portion of scripture where Jesus sort of really sets a true north for his disciples in the midst of his ministry. And and it's important, of all the questions that you might hold, I don't know about this and why does God do this and this type of thing. I know you got a million questions and so do I. Why do you do this and why don't you do that? And how come these people get hurt and these people don't? How come these people prosper doing evil and these people are doing good and they seem like they're always struggling? I, I got questions too. How many got questions? Just wave at me right now. Okay. Questions about God, right? About how you move, how you operate. Got you. But but here's the most important question you must individually answer which is why whenever people come to an altar I don't like their cousins or their loved one or the person that brought them invading the space with them trying to console them in a moment why because they need a revelation of who Jesus is for themselves by themselves and, and anything that could potentially, and I know we want to console and we want to be there and let them know we're there for them. Trust me, in that moment here, the only person they need to know that is here and active and present is Jesus. You can go to lunch and console them afterward. Come on, somebody. And that's why I tell the ushers, look, don't worry about the tissues. Don't worry about the makeup running. Don't worry about the snack coming out. That's all good stuff. Don't disrupt any of that. Probably is the first time they lost control in their lives. Leave them alone. We can get them all cleaned up in a second. Come on, somebody. But that encounter moment. So Jesus turns to his disciples when he came to the region of Caesarea Philippi in Matthew 16. And he asks his disciples, this is a familiar portion of scripture for some of you, but for some of you, you've never seen it. Who, he asked this question of, of his disciples, his inner group, these guys that have been traveling with him, his clique, his squad. Who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist. Others um, say Elijah. Um, still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets, you know, like, like a prophet Jesus, you know. And he says, okay, but, but what about you? Who do you say I am? It's important that you decide who Jesus is, because if he's just a man upstairs, then you're like, yo, what's up, dog? And, and, you know, if he's just a good teacher, then you're like, man, some positive things about Jesus. And I really love the the, the Bible and some of the things in the Bible that Jesus says. They're really good principles to live by, very positive. And if you say that, then, then you've limited Jesus's activity and lordship to what your revelation is. Does that make sense? So so then he says this, Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, underlined it in your Bible, the Christ, the son of the living God. What is he saying? It's a mouthful. What is he saying? You are the Christ. He is saying, as was foretold in Israel history and by prophets, that there was a Messiah, a Christ, an anointed one, this one that would come foretold of, that would be the king of kings, that would establish an eternal kingdom, an eternal throne out of the line of David, that he would be the one to return Israel back to her fortune, that, she, that he literally would rule and reign with all authority, with all power. Israel was waiting for this one to come, the Messiah, the Christ to come. And then they got this guy riding into Jerusalem, On a donkey. Wait, wait, let's go further back. Then they got a baby in a manger with no place to stay. This is not a king look like. This is not a kingdom, a ruler that comes in. I need Maximus, I told you, on a white horse. Come on, somebody. With with a great army behind him. And I want to be on his right-hand side. Come on, y'all. But that's not what Jesus does. And so sometimes we mistake him. Mistake his power and his authority, and we limit him. He is the Messiah. He is the Messiah in Judaism is a significant figure, and the characteristic he has all of the characteristics of priest and king. And, and he is not just a king in the long succession of kings. By the time we get him down in the Revelations chapter nineteen, it is said that he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What is he saying? That throughout all of history, all of the rulers and all of the kings that there ever was and all the governing powers there ever was, he is above all of them, supreme in all of them. So who is Jesus to demand a sacrifice of my life? Well, he is the Christ, the son of the living God. Give the Lord a hand clap right now. Come on. So... So there's just, you know, I I I wanna I wanna be careful about how I explain this to you because the first thing you have to realize is Jesus has the right to ask for your life because he is the one with all authority and all power. Matthew 28 and 18 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, this is after his resurrection, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. What does that mean? That means he is preeminent over everything created. All of creation he is preeminent over. Whether we recognize it or not today, whether any of your friends do or your co-workers do, at some point in time, according to Philippians chapter 3, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That will happen. But you and I get an opportunity to serve him A willingness of our hearts to serve him in recognition of all that he's done. Has God been good to you? Just shake your head. Has has he been more faithful to you than you've been faithful to him? Just shake your head. Come on, just keep your head shaking. I got like 10 more questions. No, let me stop. (laughs) So I like the idea of Jesus being Savior, Jason. I like that one. You know, Savior, the idea that one comes to save someone. And he came and saved us from our sin, but that's not all he does. He delivers and he makes us whole, so That salvation is a complete salvation, right? We know this. And, and I like that part. I really do. I like the fact that, that Jesus will come and save my daughter when we're sick, that Jesus will come and save my soul from sin and the penalty of sin and the wrath of God. I love all of that. I love the fact that Jesus dispenses grace and mercy and forgiveness and kindness Come on, y'all, don't you love that part? Don't you love the fact that you can go to the Lord and he's a provider and he'll give provision to you when you need it or healing when you need it? Yeah, we love all of that. I just don't love that part about Lord. I just don't like that Lord part. I I don't. I, I want Jesus to be more like a partner in this thing. Come on, somebody. I want Jesus to be more like a partner, and I prefer when we say partner that Jesus would be a silent partner. Like, I, I would like Jesus to not say anything. You know how that, that song, Oh, How He Walks With Me? I don't mind that part. You can go for the walk. Come on, Jesus. But when you start talking, how many know when Jesus starts talking, it's usually in some regards about how we're needing to line up? I don't know about you, but every time I go to the Lord talking to him about Coco and how she needs to get saved... he starts talking to me as a husband about laying my life down and serving her in some way. Come on, man, I ain't ask you all that, dude. <laughs> and when we talk about Jesus, we talk about somebody with keys, the keys of authority. That means that that Jesus has all of the keys to unlock every door, has all authority, all power, and he starts unlocking doors. Come on, somebody. Wouldn't it be funny if Jesus just went to your house, and just started unlocking stuff. Come on, y'all. <laughs> stuff you don't want us to see, you know. Stuff you come to church and nobody know you even got that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just, just keep looking straight ahead. Nobody even know you got all kinds of crazy stuff at your house that Jesus knows about. And Jesus says, hey, by the way, and you give Jesus the key, and you say, Jesus, you can have Sunday at 11 o'clock. I'll give you Sunday. That's good. And Jesus said, thank you. But I'm going to have all of your life, not some of it. And you're like, oh, I didn't sign on for that. I prayed on a Sunday, so I thought this was a Sunday thing. And Jesus starts unlocking, and he says, hey, I want to talk to you about your finances. I want to talk to you about how you use your finances. And I'm going to talk to you about being a little more generous with with my money that I gave you. Y'all not talking to me. The earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. Everything you have, including the clothes on your back right now, is by the grace of God and the provision of God in your life. Amen. Everything. All them guns in the safe, too. I'm going to get there in a minute. Jesus is coming. We got a key for that one. Because Jesus wants to know how you got so many guns. Come on, wait a minute. And you you, you get no offering, but Jesus wants to know why you got so many guns. Anyway, Anyway, so he unlocks... Somebody used to say, the old preachers used to say, we know if you really get saved because when you get baptized, you'll bring your purse and your wallet with you to go under the water. Come on, y'all. <laughs> so Jesus starts unlocking doors and he says, hey, I want to talk to you about your money. Yep, got that one. And then he got another key on here. It's got an S on it. Oh, you know where you're going. I want to talk to you about sex. Look how quiet it gets in church. <laughs> y'all are funny, man. Where you think all them kids came from? That's screaming and hollering everywhere. I can't even get through the service, little joke, ah, running through the sanctuary. Where do you think that came from? Y'all want to talk about sex. Everybody having it, though. (laughs) Jesus says, hey, I want to talk to you about, because it isn't the one thing you get to do that God covers his eyes and doesn't look while you do it. He actually designed it. We perverted it. God has a way that he wants Sex to be appropriate and Jesus says, I'm gonna go in that room too. I wanna go in your recreation room, I'm to go in your professional room, I wanna go in every room in your life, and I wanna be Lord in every room. See? Told you. I told you ahead of time, didn't I? I told you to buckle up and I told you that Jesus is meddling and he will not stay in just one compartment of your life. I know you got him compartmentalized into your spiritual life, your spirituality, and you're doing something new and positive. And Jesus is like, I'm not Mr. Positive. I'm Jesus Christ, the Lord of all of creation. That's who I am. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. If you don't know what Lord means, let me, let, me, let me help you with some 21st century slang. He the boss. Yeah, he the boss, not a partner, not a silent partner. He's the boss. And we have no idea. Listen to me. He is not Savior if he is not Lord. They are inseparably linked. You, you are not going to have some relationship with Jesus where you say, I'm saved, but, but I'm working on the Lord. No, he's Savior. He's Lord and Savior together at the same time. When you gave your life to the Lord, you were saying yes to his rulership. In fact, he has a right to your life. I was talking to a young man, and he was telling me how difficult this, this idea was for him. And I was like, well, well, talk to me about your life before you met Jesus and tell me how sparkling it was. He was like, oh, no, it was a mess, and I just ruined it, and blah, 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 and relationships, and debauchery, and this type of thing. And I was like, great. So now that you're saved, you want to now be in control again so you can do that. <laughs> he just looked at me like, uh, got real quiet in the room. Hello. Because how many of you know that you wrecked your life right here in this section? You wrecked your life outside of Jesus. So why not let him be Lord now? Let him, come on, carry Underwood. Let Jesus take the wheel. Because we don't drive so good. We drive our marriages in the ditch. We drive ourselves to every addiction and every form of medication that we can find. Food, sex, drugs, clothes, shopping. Hello? Am I in the right place? 911, please come and get me. These people are crazy. <laughs> Must be willing to surrender our lives over to Jesus in order for Him to be Lord. Surrender. You know, there's something about surrender that bothers me. This, you know, maybe it's because when I joined the Marine Corps, I was 16 years old, and they just drilled in, we don't surrender, we don't back up, we don't retreat, we don't have all this stuff, and rah, rah, rah. And I'm like, there's something about when I hear the word surrender, it, it makes me feel weak, incapable, defeated. And, and I'm here to tell you that everything in the kingdom runs contrary to your, to your natural mind, because really, in the kingdom of God, victory only comes through surrender. And the ultimate victory has been won by Jesus, and you get to surrender to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he gets to rule your life with his benevolent, loving, gracious brain. Come on, somebody. Who doesn't want that? 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 says this. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Not this room, which is why we were saying forever when the pandemic first started. Everybody's like, "We hey, come back to church. We got to come to church because you make church an event that you attend rather than being the church living for Christ on mission every day of the week. So the idea would be is that you're having church all of the time, and we just get here on Sunday and celebrate together. Come on, somebody, that you are the church. My God, if you regulated church to only being in this building, then look at all the opportunities you've missed. Look at all the opportunities in your community that you've missed to make Jesus' love and his plan of salvation known. Those people don't come here. The only way they will ever know is that you lived a life that was so full of the love of God and the light of Christ that they were drawn to it. Maybe they came to you while you was in your garage working on something and you thought they were just coming over, oh, God, here he comes again, it's Fred. And You're working on something. Here he comes. He's going to start talking the whole time. And if you realize that you are dead, that your plan for that Saturday is dead, that God may have a reason for Fred coming over again. I know he didn't bring the tools back the last time. Hello. (laughs) But God will bless you. You can go buy some new ones. Hello. And maybe he's bringing you or he's bringing him to you because you are dead to your plan. And that God's mission and plan is the first and most important thing in your life. And even though you're introverted and even though you're shy, you're willing to be used by God because you recognize the Spirit of God can empower you to do anything. Even talk to your crazy neighbor who needs Jesus. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't go to a building to a temple. I am the temple. (laughs) My wife cracks up because oftentimes there's a noise that emanates outside of me that doesn't sound harmonious, which means I'm singing and it don't sound good. And I keep telling her, I was like, I'm not singing to you, by the way. That happened this morning, by the way. We had fellowship this morning before she flew out. And I just want her to know that while I was singing, getting ready for church, because I don't start worshiping when they start singing. I start singing when I get up because I have a song in my heart because I'm the redeemed. And the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I say so in my house, and it don't sound so good. (laughs) But I reminded her that I'm the temple. I'm not going to the temple. I am the temple. I'm coming to this building because there are other believers, and we can encourage one another and lift up one another and be encouraged by the presence of one another. But I'm not attending church. I am the church. Everywhere I go, I'm the church. And so I can sing songs and encourage and see the works of God manifest through my life because I'm the temple. He lives here. <laughs> and he says, in whom you have from God and you are not your own. Listen to this part. For you were bought at a price. Did you ever look at the cross as a means of exchange, as a place where exchange was made, where, where a price was paid for you? In other words, you and I owe a penalty for our sin called death. For the wages of sin is death. And Jesus says, wait, wait, I'll pay that price. I I want that life. Well, in order to get that life, to redeem it, to buy it back, I need a life. He said, no problem, I'll give my life in exchange for them. So then the reason that we give our lives willingly over to the Lord in service to him, so the reason we surrender is because he has paid for me. He's paid with his blood, to make sure that I'm eternally in the kingdom of God, in reconciled to God, redeemed, a new creation, that, that he's restoring me. How many of you can look at your life right now and see the effect of Christ on your life because he's doing new things in you, your attitudes, your mentalities. Things are transforming, not overnight, but you can see you are nowhere near where you used to be before you met Jesus. Come on, wave at me then it's working, then it's working. So then this surrender thing is not a one and done. I don't know about you, but I find myself having to re-surrender, because you know why? You know why? How many re-surrender people do I have here? Wave at me if you're a re-surrender person. You know what we are? Control freaks. I know who you are, I got you, all of you. I saw you, you had your hand up, I saw you. We got a picture of you, and we're gonna start a support group called We're No Longer In Control. And every week when we come in, we're going to say, I'm Keith. I'm a control freak. Come on. (laughs) And the Lord says, I got you. I I know that you were formed from dust. I'm, according to Hebrews chapter 4, I'm sympathetic with you. I, I understand how you're made. I made you. I understand you. And you know what? And it's going to be times that I'm going to call you through my servants maybe, through your own devotion time maybe, through a spouse maybe, someone else, I'm going to call you out. But I'm really calling you up. And as I'm calling you up, you're going to have to surrender. Listen, if you're going to keep traveling with me, you're going to have to surrender some things over to me. You're going to have to give me access. You're going to have to allow me. What we're saying theologically is you're going to have to let me be Lord in those areas. Because I'm not just going to snatch them from you because I'm not going to violate your will. But what I want you to do is I want you to willingly lay it down in response to so great a salvation. I want you to willingly say, Lord, not my will. I'm not, I'm not going to break your will. I'm not going to break your will. I want you to say, Lord, man, this is a challenge for me. This is a challenge. I, I really want to get another gun, Lord. Look, all the guys ain't thinking that's funny. The ladies did. The guys are like, that's not funny. I want you to get off the guns and get on to something else. Why don't you get on purses or shoes or something? <laughs> he says, you know what? I, ah, nevertheless, because I, I know that whatever I desire, whatever I will, pales in comparison to what you planned. So I'm ah, nevertheless, not what I will, what you will. I surrender it to you. Yeah. And that's not a one and done, that's daily. Come on, how many know? That's hourly sometimes. Come on, that, that's hourly. That's moment by moment surrendering and resurrending. It is that quick that we get back on the throne of our lives. It is that quick that we snatch the keys back and say, No, I want to be in charge for a while. Surrendering attitudes, thoughts, motives, my marriage, my professional life, my desires, my dreams. Hmm. How about this one? Yielding to the Lordship of Jesus involves total and unreserved obedience. Say obedience. Obedience. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. You know what what it's saying about that? It's this idea of religious duty and sacrifice. The obedience to God, because how many of you know you can offer the right sacrifices without the right heart? How many know you can say the right words and not mean it in your heart? And what God is saying is, hey, listen, your obedience, your obedience to me authenticates you are a legitimate follower of mine. In Luke chapter 6 and 46, it says this. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Matthew 7 says it this way. Not everyone, not every, everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, listen to this, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name, cast out devils in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You know what that's saying to us? That's saying you could be in church with all the right verbiage. And you can even do some of the right work and not know Jesus intimately as Lord and Savior. And that you found that you find that out at the end of the age... When Jesus is beginning to judge and that's too late. It is imperative that you hear me as your preacher and as your pastor and as a brother quite frankly. It is imperative that you hear me say you can't just give Jesus lip service. You can't give him 45 minutes on Sunday and think I'm good. Not when he paid it all, not when he gave it all. How could could we ever think that we could give a partnership to him, a little compartment called Sunday morning and say, okay, that's, that's my reasonable service. No, 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 no. Someone once said, if he is not Lord over all, he is not Lord at all. Jesus, Lord, ruler, director of everything in my life. He gets to say yes or no, not me. I've nailed my rights to the cross. Listen to me. I, I love you. Look, look at me for a minute. I love you. Do you hear me? But I love the sunshine too. And if I could have had my way, we'd have been in SoCal pastoring, not Gresham. That's the facts. I got, hey, by the way, I can't even hardly see some of you because I got allergies really bad because I live in Oregon. Hello, somebody. When I'm in San Diego, you know what my allergies look like? Watch this. ha That's it. Once a morning. That's it. But my life doesn't belong to me. It's not about my convenience, my comfort. I serve at the behest of my Lord and Savior. So guess what? He said, come to Gresham. But he's not just talking to me. There are areas of your life, online as well, where you have reserved for yourself. Where you haven't let Jesus into those areas. You just got this, you know, you got him in a little box. And I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus is blowing your box up. And he said, no, 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 you you misunderstood. I needed to get Keith in the right position, wrestle him down because I didn't want to preach this message wrestle him down and make him say what I want him to say, which is we're called to live a crucified life. Stand to your feet with me all over the building. Come on. Stand. Last thing we do is we serve Jesus willingly with our lives. It's impossible to say you're serving Jesus or Jesus is the Lord of your life and you haven't joined him on his mission in some capacity. Everyone here has a gift. Everybody has a deposit given by the Holy Spirit to be released in the work of the Lord for the greater good of the church. Realize we don't have a nine o'clock service right now for one reason only. We have a nine o'clock service, but it doesn't have children's ministry in it for one reason only. Because we don't have enough people to watch the children. It's the only reason we don't have it. Because after the pandemic, that staff, some of those people are watching online because they haven't been vaccinated and they're fearful about coming back into a space like that. And we welcome, we listen. Do what God is, what your conscience is telling you to do. We love you, we miss you, but we love you. I'm glad you're online. But for the rest of us, that would like to have their children, you know, their children get up at six, and you got to entertain them till eleven. Hello, somebody. I know how it works. I had kids, 16 months apart. But you know why? We there. Somebody's asking me about all these ministries they want to do, and I'm like, Yeah, it'd be great if we had the laborers to do them. And each of you has a gift, and I'm here to tell you, look at me. This is going to be a tough one to hear, but it's true. Most of the church in America right now is consumer-based. It's about what I get. Do I like the music? Do I like the environment? Do I like the preacher? And none of that is wrong, except it's not the first thing to ask. The first thing to ask is, Jesus, have you assigned me to be in that body? Yes. Then if I've been assigned to be in that body, what is my job there? What is the thing that I do that provides something of a blessing for everyone else? There should be something about your conscience that starts bothering you after a while, where you're coming in and you feel good and like, I like the music, and yeah, and you got your life together and Jesus is doing stuff in your marriage, and you should begin to ask yourself, what can I do to help Keith and the team to make this available for more people? How do I get involved? Because that's what it means for him to be Lord. Lastly, is that you serve. When you recognize who he is, you serve the greater good of other people amen is that all right how quiet it got let me get every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here this morning you say you know what i've never heard it quite put that way jesus being the boss okay i understand what that means you use the vernacular that i can understand um he's not the boss of my life you said lord he's not a ruler i've never recognized him as a king and i struggle with surrender but i recognize that he's calling me to it this morning, even online. And if that's you, signify that with an uplifted hand, hand. So that's me, Pastor. Would you pray with me? I see your hands going up. Okay. We're going to do something different today. Because all of us, look up at me for a moment. How many recognize nobody's staring around? How many recognize there's some unsurrendered areas of your life? Lift your hand. All over the building. Look unsurrendered areas no 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 not half mass lift your hand up so i can see it there you go you know it's like this like yeah i got some unsurrendered stuff no no just lift your hand let me see it me too now let's do the next step which is surrender put your other arm up tricked you didn't i close your eyes give jesus permission surrender it give him permission to be lord in those areas. Savior, you need a savior, but you must recognize that he is also Lord. He has the keys to every compartment of your life. And not begrudgingly, but willingly, it's a sign of surrender. Just say, Jesus, you can have it all. I recognize I'm gonna have to re-surrender again probably this afternoon, but in the meantime, I mean it, Lord. You have permission to call me on it, Holy Spirit. Whenever I'm backing out or becoming a control freak in my own life again, you have permission to remind me that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords over my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Come on, you said what? Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap and shout. Come on. So here's what I want you to do. It's so important. Keep investing in relationships, look, 90% of people that give their life to Jesus come to a church service and give their life to Jesus because somebody they trust in their life invited them. Keep inviting and don't take it personal when people flake or don't come. Just keep being the light and the salt in the earth. Amen? Invest in relationships and invite people to come to God's house with you. Amen? Go with God. God's going to go with you. I love you. you see Break down every wall. We'll watch the giant.